Hello and welcome to the Inner Gamer episode 198. Holy shit, we're at 198. Two away from 200. Two away from 200. 200. I'm 29 today. It's weird. We're your weekly dose of video game news, reviews, opinions, and discussions made for and by our listeners. My name is Brett Yanoski. And I'm Old Man Morales. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) You're right there behind me. Oh, man. That gray hair. Look at that gray hair. Shit. Hey, hey, hey. I see some on you. Oh, I don't have any. You don't have any. Nah. Nah. Anyway, this week on the Gamer Podcast, we Brett plays Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. I play Enter the Gungeon on the Switch. And in the news, people are upset that Fortnite is jacking their dances. Surprising. And I have, for the first time, own pers- personal uh, article that I came up with myself. Brett, I'm very proud of this. I have an opinion piece here. He calls it a self-made article. <laughs> self-made. I self-made made it. Self-made news. Myself. Not fake news. Self-made news. Women in Battlefield 5, should they have actually put them there? Ooh, controversial. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's not really controversial. No, it's not. But stay tuned for that. And for our discussion topic, we talk about the state of the video game industry. Young Yi, a video game influencer, and Jason Snyder, a Kotaku editor, came Jason together. Jason Schreier. Schreier, sorry. What did I say, Strider? You said like Schneider. Schneider, Jason Schneider. Yeah. They come together, they talk about the, uh, the gaming industry, and it makes for a good conversation about someone who's disconnected from the industry. Well, I won't say that. Disconnected. Who, you? From, <laughs> uh, we'll slap this motherfucker. <laughs> You know, I'm not even going to finish my... Cue the music. Cue the music! Pika, pika! Welcome to the November 27th, 2018. Welcome to the Intergamer Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to support us on Patreon. For as little as $12 a year, you can make this podcast better, and we'll give you some goodies along the way. Uh, you can uh, come join our Discord channel. You can help support and make everything better, and like allow us to do bigger and better events, allow us to host at better places, provide cool surprises to everybody at these events. Speaking of surprises... This Wednesday, which is tomorrow as you're listening to this podcast, if you are in the DFW area, come on out to Barcadia in Dallas on on a Henderson. Knox Henderson area is where it's at. Um, we are teaming up with the Red Bull for an 80s themed Pac-Man tournament. Come out, dress up in 80s attire if you want to, compete for Pac-Man tournament goodies and there's gonna be some themed cocktails there as well they're all 80s themed and all that good stuff so relive your inner pac-man and come and battle it out to be the top pac-man player you know this is actually really cool for more than one reason but i I would state one reason is that how many times do they do like a pac-man tournament i don't i've never heard of a pac-man tournament Maybe, maybe once but Pretty uncommon. It probably wasn't even a tournament. Like, man, this is like going way back. Yeah, if you guys read the description, you'll know that it's uh, it's centered. It's kind of focused on like college kids and stuff like that. But it's it's open to everybody. It's just the text is focused on college kids because they want to bring in the SMU crowd a little bit. Right. But either way, it's still like but anybody do, can come and play and compete. But do 
college kids this generation like no Pac-Man very That's well. That's what I was wondering. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably don't, but... I mean, so good nostalgia maybe brings people in who haven't played Pac-Man, but yeah. I feel like everyone's played Pac-Man at some point. Oh, yeah. I played Pac-Man this week and I was playing Miss Pac-Man. Oh, very and nice. I was at the, the freaking uh, Craftcade or whatever place here in Fort Worth and I was okay. playing some old school right. Miss Pac-Man. I was killing it. I made it to level three. Getting drunk, oh, yeah. playing Miss Pac-Man. I also just finished Ready Player One. Oh, finally, hey. I didn't. Re- I read it as in I audiobooked it, which was oh, great because nice. it was uh, narrated by Will Wheaton. Okay, so don't spoil anything with, about it. I got halfway through the book. I haven't. You haven't finished it, it yet. I haven't finished it. You haven't finished it. But yet. I watched the movie. Oh, you can't watch the movie, man. No, 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 no. Everybody tells me that's not as good. So that's why well, I, watch. I know. I so know. I'm going to watch the movie this week and then see. There's a lot. How it happens. That's not in there. Oh, I know. I like, can already there's tell. A, there's a huge like transition where. The main character goes through some trials and tribulations on his own uh, before the party thing happens, you know, right. where they go to the party by the dance in the air and stuff. Yeah. Like, I thought that was like a huge part of like his character growth that you needed to see and it just didn't happen. It wasn't in there. And I was like, oh. Oh, wait, wait, you did see the movie? Yeah, I did see the movie. Oh, okay, gotcha. I was seeing, you hadn't seen the movie. Okay, no, no, yeah, oh, yeah, I've seen the movie and I yeah, read yeah. halfway through the book. Yeah, so that's what that's what really shocked me is because I was like, I'm just just curious how they portrayed Artemis because I had right. an image in my head of what she yeah, looked like. Right. Yeah. But then when I saw, it, I was like, that is not at all what I thought in my head. But when they had that party scene, I was like, this is not at all what happened in the party scene. The fuck. So I'm glad this is talking about video games, but we should jump into some video games. Yeah, let's talk about some video <laughs> games. So, um, oh, also the next day, Caltown Brewing Company in Fort Worth, Texas. Y'all should also come out to that on Thursday. So Damn. this week. November 27th, today, you listen to this podcast. November 28th, we will be in Dallas having an event with Red Bull. November 29th, we will be in Fort Worth having an event at Cowtown Brewing Company, the first ever brewery in downtown Fort Worth. So there's a lot of shit happening with the Gamer this week. Yeah. Like, if you miss any of that stuff, then I just don't know what you're doing. You're just living on a rock. You are. You don't have a life. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of that rock. Come join us. It'll be awesome. Unless you're a gamer. But I've been uh, I've been going through some rocks and some grass blades and uh, you cut yourself going into Mount Moon and traveling through Viridian Forest uh, and all these things man. and a little game called Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. Um, I bought the Pikachu version because I love Pikachu. This is the Switch exclusive Pokemon game for this year. Um, some people are calling it Pokemon RPG Lite. Um, I think that seems that way. Part true. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's modeled after the, uh, the Kanto region, I guess is what they, how they pronounce it. Um, Kanto, uh, from Pokemon red, blue, and then yellow and everything. So this is like traditional, like old school, what every, what our generation, my generation grew up on was playing this region. The first original Pokemon. Um, I started out Pikachu. Obviously you start out in your hometown, you go and meet up with uh, freaking uh, Professor Oak. You have your um, enemy rival person who you are team paired up with that you go together to get Pokemon. And uh, my name is Brett, and I thought it'd be funny to name my rival Trump just because <laughs> I just like to put Trump. I feel like just Trump is a funny name to just use everywhere, so I just threw him in there. And so every time I like have friendly battles with Trump, it's like, you know, hey, Trump. Side note, is it kind of weird that like, Trump is like an actual like word that you use. Like, oh, I trumped you. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I Donald trumped you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of weird. Uh, It is pretty weird. Fuck that word up. Um, 
But uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of so there's a lot of similarities and differences here. One, the game looks really cool. Like I'm I'm very happy with the way this game looks. It's really exciting to see this world that I grew up playing on a Game Boy Color, um, or some people on a Game Boy. You know, seeing it in full 3D is really exciting. Um, like Viridian Forest looks very pretty. I mean, it's not like the best looking graphics in the world. It's not going to like blow your mind on 4K TV or anything like that. It's definitely toned down for the Switch. Definitely more usable on handheld. It's also a game that you can only, you can actually just play with one controller. You just use it to move around. You like press a button to like throw, like you have a select button, you have your move button, and that's really all you need to know. Um, I dig it. And then gyroscope. So you have that. That's part of it as well. But, uh, Capturing Pokemon is now basically Pokemon Go, where when you like all the Pokemon you can see when you enter into an area. So as opposed to before, where you're just walking and all of a sudden just random encounter pops up, which used to drive me crazy because I was like, I just caught a Ratatat like four uh, four minutes ago, and now here's like five more. I just caught like five Weedles and all these Caterpies and Viridian Forests, all these Zubats and Geodudes. Like, I got all these people already. Yeah, but you would defeat them. I don't them need to, to see them again. To, to raise a level of your Pokemon. Yeah, but in this case, so you do actually get experience points for capturing them, but not... In the sense of that, you don't have to battle them. You just like throw a Pokeball and you capture them and you're good. And yeah. then you get some experience points for capturing a new Pokemon. So the same, it's the same kind of experience model as uh, the game, the Pokemon Go is, where you get points for capturing. You get points if they're new Pokemon added to your Pokedex. You get points if uh, there's a couple other factors. I forgot what yeah. they are. But you get points for that. And then <laughs> Honestly, that's how you level up. I, I, I think this shot themselves in the foot like... You're doing a game in the Kanto, Kanto region. Like, you need to be able to catch Pokemon like you normally would. Like, leave. It makes sense for the phone. Why would you bring it to, to the Switch? Just It just kind of baffles me. I mean, I'm okay with it, and I'll probably get Let's Play Eevee, Let's Go Eevee, and, and play through it, but it just doesn't seem like it, it meshes well. You'd be surprised. I was shocked. Like when I got into, it, I was like, "This is the well, way I'm I, not, I would rather play it this way." I would. Like now, now that I'm in it, like see, I, this is the thing with like well, I, I was the same way when I got into it. I was like, I don't want to. Like I didn't like that idea. Well, I mean, I hated the fact that I kept running into them, but I like battling them and getting them down, trying to find the right the pressure point to where you can then throw it and capture them. Right. I like that part of the old game, but I like this and that it's quicker to move through, and then I can battle trainers who tend to have. Um, hopefully harder Pokemon, which I'll mention that it, they're not as hard in most cases when you're fighting trainers. That's where the battles come into play is when you fight a trainer. And it used to be like there weren't many trainers that just were like around as you're walking. Like there's a few here and there. But like here, it's like they're very common. Like every little bit you go, there's like another trainer there that's going to come and want to battle you. And then nine times out of ten... What do they say? What's the funniest thing you've heard? Uh, they and have you- one that's like nerd mike or whatever there's just like a stereotypical like nerd kid that has glasses on and like you find him the st- more often than not or like no no, no he's, him, he's pretty uncommon but then he's there's pretty a, uncom- but you see him multiple times i've seen him like three times now okay he comes later in the game but he's always like i'm gonna g- i don't know i don't remember what the they have the voices like is. they actually vo- or no, just, no, no, it's just text. all like okay. text yeah um there's like three three four skins so there's like a girl that looks like a sorority girl in a way like she's got like a or like a schoolgirl outfit or whatever and then you got the um 
you have the guy who's just like, or you have a little a youngster. You have your youngster, yeah, and then you yeah. have your more adult kid, and then you have this nerdy kid, and then you have oh the big hiker dude that's like a big fat dude that like goes hiking, and uh, you can fight him. Big fat hiker dude. Yeah, he's got a backpack on. He's got super low I short love shorts. The, like, <laughs> well, I played the the 3ds version of the the, the, the last yeah. one, the moon and sun or whatever, and like it was funny to battle these people. I'm like, man. <laughs> This is hilarious. Just like the yeah. different scale of ages through that you have to fight. Like you have the you have the fisherman guy, and then you had like I don't know the the beach guy, and it's just yeah. like this yeah. is this is hilarious. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um. So battling is is pretty standard. You know, you have your your different types you use. You use up your uh, your points. You can only use a skill so many times. You can put people, you know, cast effects on enemies, like asleep and all that stuff. Like that stuff all like feels like Pokemon. Like it's, it feels right and it looks good. Um, gym battles are pretty good. Like you have to go through three tiers. So like once you enter into a gym battle, like I don't think you can. I never tried, but you, I don't think you can leave. So like you just have your you six can, Pokemon yeah. that you're moving from battle to battle with or whatever you have in your inventory and you go fight the first one which is each one had two pokemon um i know each one had and that one had one and then we got to brock he had two he had geodude and onyx and then what's cool about this game is you can see the scale differences because they actually have like geodude is like normal size like right. floats in the air yeah but onyx is like towering figure that's massive and like clefable is huge like Clefable is like like seven like six times the size, well, I guess five times the size of Pikachu. So like towers over top of Pikachu. Right. So you, there's a lot, like a big scale difference in the Pokemon and how they render them in the game, which I mm. thought was pretty cool to see. Um, but otherwise, it feels like the original Pokemon. Like I'm I'm having a lot of nostalgia and I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying capturing the Pokemon. I'm enjoying going to the Pokemon Pokemon to like buy all the stuff that I know I'm going to come up to and fight. You know, remembering the things of like what attacks what and how it like, you know, the, you know, grass is better against this and like all those different, you know, relationships and like how to prevent against getting us put to sleep. And like, if you get confused, what do you do in that situation? Um, there's a lot of that stuff coming back. So like in the battles, like unless you're, if you're, when you get to the actual boss is throughout, like they are pretty, they can be challenging. Um, and the gym battles are challenging. Team Rocket's challenging. The standard ones are just not really that challenging. Throwing the Pokeball is not challenging, but I didn't want that to be. So it is a more casual version of Pokemon, but I don't think there's a... To me, it's not a detriment to the game. Um, I'm just glad to franchise? relive this world. I mean, it's a, it, I mean, it's a big... I don't want to say it's a big leap, but... It's definitely a step in the other direction. <laughs> no, this is this is not meant to be a mainline Pokemon game. Right, right. It's meant to just be like a filler in between the two, like kind of a you know you get a remastered Spiral the Dragon or whatever. It's like a this is a filler, and for a filler, I think it's a really well done game because it brings that it, it helps them kind of test the waters a little bit with like things that they can challenge. Now, granted, it is a sixty dollars game, so it's a full price game, right? But um this isn't going to be the next Pokemon. Like the next Pokemon is coming out, I think next year. So we'll know what that's going to be. And that's probably going to have the more traditional, like heavy challenge stuff. Um, but for me, like this is a casual version of Pokemon. I can, a proper RPG Pokemon, but something I can casually play on my switch and enjoy and that's not good. play Pokemon go. 
where yeah. it's just like repeated the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yes, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's good. I, I think I'm gonna pick it up. I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm just gonna wait a little bit. Yeah, I, I would definitely jump into it right now. I think it'd be good for most people to wait till you get down like forty bucks. Like if you can get on, on a little bit of a deal. Forty bucks. Eh, probably not. Has Switch, any of the, is pretty good. Has they, any they of the really first prices. title games ever yeah. gone below sixty? I think Arms did, but yeah, that's about well, it. That's Arms. Yeah. <laughs> That was a good game too. I'm really sad that right? that yeah. Kick off. We, we need whatever. to jump back on that. Yeah, we should do it. Yeah, we, we should start the revolution. Start it up. But uh, yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it so far. I'm about four and a half hours in, and there's still I've only killed taken down one. Uh, there's there's eight trainers that you have to take down. I've only taken down one, and I played four and a half hours. So like there's there's Man. a good amount of content in here. <clears throat> so you got a long way to go. Yeah, I've been to three cities: Peter City, the original city. Or I mean, I just got this Cerulean. Um, city. So you're going to get Misty now? Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You better. <clears throat> that is right. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's the water, water Pokemon area. So very nice. It's cool. So well, what have you been playing? I decided to jump on the switch and for black Friday, they had some deals and I decided to buy Enter the Gungeon. It's been on my radar for quite some time. We actually saw this game on our first packs in 2015, I believe, and they were doing a stream of it, <clears throat> and they had like a bunch of guys playing it. It's in our video. If you guys go watch our our uh, Intergamer Invades packs 20, 2015, um, at the time I didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh, what is this game? Blah. It's like 16 bit, whatever. I don't even want to play it. But it came out 2016 officially, April 5th, and now it just got released for the Switch. I think it's been out for some time. I don't know when it got it came released. Came out on Steam like several years ago. But yeah, in 2016 it was on Steam. Oh, okay, sorry. You said yeah, that. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm not. I'm not paying attention to the podcast. I'm just like I know. chilling here. You know, it's his birthday, so he's like, I don't want to be here. It's my birthday. Hi, <laughs> birthday, Brett. Thank you. Um. So, Enter the Gungeon is a bullet-held dungeon crawler following a band of misfits seeking to shoot, loot, dodge, roll, and table flip their way through personal absolution by reaching the legendary Gungeon's ultimate treasure, the gun that can kill the past. Select a hero or team up in, uh, in co-op and battle your way to the bottom of the Gungeon by surviving a challenging and evolving series of floors filled with the dangerous, adorable gun dead and fearsome Gungeon bosses armed to the teeth. Gather precious loot, discover hidden secrets, and chat with opportunistic merchants and shopkeepers to purchase powerful items to gain the edge. So, yeah, you can pick from four different characters, and uh, I picked the soldier because I like everyone has like their own little take on their gun and stuff, and they have different abilities. And I like the soldier because he has a decent amount of ammo in his gun, and then if you get hit, you have a helmet that explodes and knocks everyone back. So I was like, that that was pretty beneficial. So it was cool to go into the dungeon and it's procedurally generated every time you go in there. So it's different every time. And uh, typically I don't like this kind of game, but it's kind of cute with the enemies. And uh, so that was very charming. And then going through the dungeons, like finding loot and just trying to survive. Like I felt this need to come back and one-up myself constantly, which I don't find in a lot of video games, especially games like this. So I was very impressed, like, how I kept making me come back for more, and the soundtrack's great, and then when you get to the boss, it's just like, holy shit, it's kind of... Ah, I don't want to say it, but it's kind of Dark Soulsy. <laughs> uh, so it's like, you die, and you start at this camp, 
and you have to go back in the dungeon each time, or you can quick start and just start inside the dungeon. And uh, I have yet to beat a boss in the dungeon, so I'm hoping soon I'll be able to do that. I was so close. I was so close this one time. I got this really badass gun. So when you when you open chests, like you can find keys. Some of the chests have blocks that you open, and in those chests, you could get some cool item or a cool gun. And I got a cool gun that was a uh, a, a seeking gun, so it shoot out like five or six bullets. And it would go to the enemy. So I was like, fuck yes, I'm going in. I'm going to go, I'm going to go inside this, uh, the boss and just obliterate him. But I had like two or three hit points left. So it was like, I have to do this. And I got him down to like 10% health. And, um, he was this guy who was on this throne with like guns everywhere. So he would literally shoot out like, a room full of bullets in every direction. And it's cool because they give you these like bullet stoppers. So like it's, it's kind of a special and it, like it neutralizes all bullets instantly. And so I didn't have any more of those and I was dodging, I was dodging. And finally, finally I, I got to the point and I was just like, cause it, this one takes forever to reload. And just as I was about to shoot it, I got hit because the guy moves. And so these bullets, like they kind of follow you as you move. So you have to kind of time it. And so you have this, this roll attack that allows you to, to not to, to, uh, jump through the bullets without taking damage. And, um, yeah, I just didn't time it right. And I died. (laughs) I was like, damn it. Is this, is this a four player co-op game or is it two player co-op? I think it's only two player. I haven't played co-op with anybody. So, I was but, thinking that man. too, because I was going to get it for our events and stuff like that. And I was like, man, yes. I think it's only two player, which is fine. But yeah, it's no, like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was uh, pushed to four player for some reason. Maybe, right. maybe it is. I don't know. Right. But uh, this, that's cool. This is a great game for the Switch. I'm so happy it came here. I'm glad I finally got to, to, to pick it up. Um, I think they have the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons edition. I think that's the one I bought. I'm not exactly sure. I need to check. But if you have a Switch, definitely pick this up. It's a lot of fun, and it's co-op, so I can't recommend it more any more than I have. Um, Brett, you need to get this game. I'll just play on yours. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like 15 bucks, normally 20 or maybe it was 13 or something like that. Like it, was, it was yeah, pretty it was, cheap. It was, like, it was pretty cheap. Uh, it still might be going on since Cyber Monday, but like I guess it <laughs> this will be Tuesday, so you won't, you won't be able to get it. That's true. I'm sorry. sorry. Regardless, support this team. But apparently they've already moved on to bigger and better things. And uh, so I think they're coming out with a game that's going to be similar to this. But I was reading an article and they were talking about how they were trying to make more DLC. But when they made the game four years prior to 2016, like trying to go back to old code and stuff and and fix the game and make it work with physics and stuff just, just wasn't going to happen. I was like, man, I can't, I can't imagine creating an indie game with like super old hardware. Cause like, what was that? What's four years before 2016? 2014. Yeah. No, it's 2012. Yeah. <laughs> like, Math. dude, that's, that stuff's that ancient. Yeah. That's ancient technology right there. Isn't it weird thinking about that? Yeah. That's not that long ago, but no. Yeah. Well, when you bring it to past 2016 and trying to create DLC for this game, like I'm sure that's a little difficult. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm excited to see what these people bring next to the table. Awesome. It's a fun game. Yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but good things about this game. So yeah. definitely need to need to get together and play some. 
Yes. Enter the Gungeon. Yes. We should probably um, stream it or something. Who knows? We should. Yeah, we should. We need to stream more. We need to get we back do. on that game. We do. If y'all want to see us stream more often, you should, uh, you know, go go drop us a line, head over to the internet right net, contact us. and Or go it, to our Twitch channel and subscribe. Or, uh, yes, subscribe to everything. Thinnergamer.net, and then click on the Switch icon. Yep, there you go. Um, did you want to talk about Battlefield? I do. So, Battlefield uh, 5 is awesome. Again, another game in in the game sphere that people are shitting on on YouTube and just like completely just obliterating it with like all the negative comments you can think of. But I fucking love this game. I know you said you loved it in yep. the past like two podcasts, but dude, I love this game. This is it's super polished, has a great soundtrack. It keeps up with the action. The action's great. The guns are smooth. Mechanics are smooth. Like everything here is like near perfect for me and like what I want in a battlefield game. The 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 maps are like well balanced, I feel like. Yeah. Minus the one that we talked about. I forgot what it was, the name of it. One with the hangers. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't remember the name of it either. <laughs> but other than that, like I love all the map types or all the game types. Man, I can't I, I don't want to play more. So I'm curious. I watched a video on YouTube that for me kind of pissed me off. Yeah. But it's whatever. But wow. like Brent, the guy was off? comparing uh <laughs> I forget which user it I'll find out what the user it is while I get your commentary on it. But okay. uh he was comparing Battlefield Five to Call of Duty Black Ops Four. And he said that. that Battlefield Five is a is like he, his argument was that Battlefield Five was a more um, like it was really well polished, graphics were great, all that stuff. But he felt like it should not be released yet, like it came out too soon, and they didn't have enough content. And that Black Ops Four is a very complete game, and it's great, and it's like it's the true winner in this scenario. And my argument is that like. You're about to get all this content for free. They release this game now with what six, seven game modes, eight maps, three single player campaigns. Are like only three hours, but like that's not a big deal. Like I don't, I'm not. That's not the main focus. But they're still pretty interesting. They're not bad, and uh, the the quality of it is so good. Whereas like Call of Duty, like it's still also a quality game, but in Call of Duty the graphics look still look like they're three years old. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, not yeah. that that's like the de facto standard, but the gunplay also still feels like it's all like, if you're playing multiplayer, like the gun, it's an arcade shooter. If you're playing blackout, it's a little bit, there's, there's, you know, you know, gun drop and stuff like that, like with range and whatnot, battlefield five, there's just so many mechanics and just details to this game that are yes. like the snow. As you're walking through the snow, you're yes. leaving the snow tracks, yes. like all that stuff, like details that are really important. I think that, and gameplay that's like great and exciting and it feels intense. And, and I, I think it's what do you well think about that balance between each of the classes and like in general, like the, the map, the, the layout of the maps are balanced as well. So like, there's many times where you know the battlefield wane left you know to, to our side or their side and it's just like that push and pull and that's what a battlefield game is to me is this even balance of two teams going head to head and it's like on the line every time like who's gonna win obviously you get those maps where or those 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 um those rounds where like you just get obliterated but right right like i felt like i had i could easily pull ahead if I wanted to 
and it happened quite often, you know. And I mean, the game, the guns are so, even though they're older guns, like what I felt in Battlefield One was that the guns just they were too funky old for me. Yeah, they were too old. Like they, I just didn't like the way they felt. I had to get used to them. Like I really had to break that in. But with Battlefield Five and World War Two, like those guns feel pretty natural. And uh, typically, I don't like those guns, the ones with just iron sights on them. But you know what? I actually had a pretty decent time with them. And that's probably one of the main reasons why I like it so much is that I can go in there with these old guns and actually wreak some havoc without feeling like I'm severely disadvantaged. And, I mean, they do have optical sights that that, uh, have some uh, give and take to them. Yeah. Like like the one for one, uh, I think it was the, what was it? I think it was the Salt's. You can you can use the um, use a rifle with an optic, but the optic's dirty. Yeah. So like, if you look in some places dark, it's kind of hard to tell if you're like on the money or not. Yeah. Like it just makes it a little more difficult in general. Right. And it's like I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I have an optic. It's World War Two. It's not going to be the best thing in the world. Right. Um. And yeah, I heard people talking about that. What you were saying, and it's just like, come on, you you can't compare the two. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm happy yeah. with what they have. Like, there's more than enough content for me, at least. I mean, well, I don't, and, people and, might you know, have a different is, opinion, but... You know, this too, it's like, this is enough content. Like, you're about to get a whole new mode in December, like December 4th. So you have like two weeks where you're getting this, and they're bringing a whole new mode. And then you have that to play for, you know, through March. And then in March, you're getting a whole nother new mode. That's all free. You're getting new maps in between that period of time, too. Like, I feel like that's a lot of stuff. Like they say, like, why didn't they bring it all out at once? I'm like, I would rather like get a little bit that's really well done and then have them like further refine and take feedback from the community on the game as they're going further. Because then like if they made a mistake now, they can fix a little bit of that as they expand onward forward, you know, right. move forward. Right. And like there isn't a lack of content here. And the content to me is high, high quality. Exactly. Like surprisingly high quality. And the it's upgrade a- system for me works really nice. Like I, some people said it was like really gamey. And I don't think it's that bad. Like I don't, I like that there's not like a whole bunch of loot chests dropping in there that you're having to like get stuff through and you're getting. St- yeah, the progression feels good. Like as I'm progressing through, like my guns are unlocking new things. I'm getting new new things for my my vehicles and stuff like that. I'm getting new things just for my character in general. Like that's all happening. Um, I really like it. But and it's th- not it's night and day from the beta. Oh yeah, totally, like totally. I could not say this about the beta. No, it's like no. it's good, but it's not. It's yeah. not like amazing. But this is like they fixed a lot. Like yeah. it's super smooth. Unlike Fallout seventy six. YouTube user was a uh, <laughs> get flanked. Get underscore flanked was uh, this this video. It's called uh, Battlefield Five versus Black Ops Four. It's not even close. And then it's one of the commenters, which I I agree with. The guy was like. The COD versus Battlefield argument is basically the iPhone versus Android argument, whereas both sides are delusional, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> and I'm like, that's true, because like there are some definite flaws with Battlefield, and like if you don't like it, that's just not the right game for you. Like Call of Duty is a close quarters, fast-paced arcade shooter style, with the exception of Blackout, whereas uh, Battlefield 5 is a realistic, grounded widespread war torn kind of shooter feel like they want you to feel like you're in a grand thing that you're like in a squad working together and you know in black and in call of duty it's basically you're one guy that's fighting on a team of 10 15 people or whatever 
but you don't really feel like you're fighting a war with these people. But in this, this in the call of battlefield, like I've had moments where I'm like, we are in this together. We're going to take yeah, this out. We're going to capture these bases. We're going to knock these guys out and finish them right. off. And uh, to add on to that, cool. the, the soundscape that they have with it yeah. just sucks me in. And it feels like it feels real, man. Like I feel like it's World War II. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the immersion is, is just on par. Like it is good. I highly recommend this game if you have a PC. Um, or just in general, just just get this game. Like if you like Battlefield, this is a good one to get. Just don't listen to the YouTubers. For once, I don't agree with the YouTubers because everyone is shitting on this game. But um, I understand some of the controversies that came up in the past, but they kind of have no relevance to it now, um, given that some people have left the company who may have said a few things that were not so positive yes but um yeah man this is the battlefield i wanted they delivered um that's saying a lot because battlefield one was actually pretty fun like i really enjoyed it like even though they like changed a lot of things for it like i know people are like well battlefield five is just a reskin of battlefield one with some new tweaks i'm just like i'm okay with that <laughs> like it's yeah, just I, I it's think a it's better more, experience. I mean, it's definitely, yeah. It's like they took what they did because Battlefield One was such a departure from everything they've been doing up to this point. And yeah. like, I obviously I do miss Battlefield Four. Like, I think that's a fantastic game. And I hope they go through this cycle of like old versus new a little bit because I still want to see them go back to the new stuff a little bit. But like Battlefield One for me was really really great. But then like. I just felt overwhelmed in those battle sequences a lot. And in here they've like, it's almost an infantry focus game now. Right. But still feels like battlefield. Like there's just enough vehicles in there that like you can turn the tides both directions and stuff like that. But it's not like you just have a bunch of tanks fighting each other, you know? Exactly. So, okay. Last point, the story I wanted to tell that, that just like kind of solidified everything. Um, we're playing domination. Is it the one where you have to take the bases? It's kind of like Rush, but it's not Rush. Yeah. Which one is that called? Domination. Domination? Okay. Anyway, so it was me and my team, and we just got pushed back, and there was this bridge. I forgot which one. That's like the the push and pull where you like take a... No, that's front lines. Yeah. No, it's... So it's kind of like a marsh area. I think it's... And there was a a big like metal bridge on like the right side. Anyway, so I was like, I'm going to spawn on the bridge. So I spawned on the bridge. And uh, a lot of guys were coming. So, like, I'm holding this off, and there's a bunch of people there. So, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I was support. So, I was like, I'll supply you, supply you. And then, like, they started bringing a heavy, like, heavy, um, more vehicles, like explosives and shit. Yeah. And so, like, we had the barricade uh, of sandbags that were just getting, keep getting obliterated. And it was cool that I could, that I saw that you could build one high enough where you can jump on top of it and look over. Yeah. And you have pretty much full body cover. Yeah. Anyway, that eventually got obliterated and it was like half the team was holding this bridge for a good 10 minutes and um, like no one was dying. Like people yeah. were out of ammo so like there's multiple support guys there so we're yeah. all like throwing ammo on the ground. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, healers there so they're running around like reviving people like yeah. it was a stalemate like people kept coming I kept getting like it just the amount of points I was racking up just from staying in this one position was ridiculous so like me and my squad plus multiple squads eventually um, there was only like five of us left and I didn't even know because I didn't, never had there was no reason to turn around like so many people were coming right. and they brought some vehicles in we blew those up and it was just like this grand moment of like yes we're doing this like we're holding this position 
And then I went down and I went to like, you know, be like, hey, medic. I looked around and there's like two other guys behind me and they were down too. And I was like, oh, there's nobody, <laughs> there's yeah. nobody here. Okay, we're pulling back. But by that point, like when we got to, when I had to go to the other point, they were basically down to like 15 people right. left. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is over. So like that moment of like holding it was just it's the last stand. I, I haven't had that kind of feeling I, that wasn't that you didn't really have that in Battlefield One, at least not that I remember. I felt like it was just yeah, because you. I feel like in it's that fine line of like you feel like you can you can push forward and you can get further in advance on them and have a chance. Whereas if the other team was winning, like you were basically screwed. Yeah. Like it was yeah. it was easily. And even though they had those, uh, I forgot what they called it, but like you know, if one team is losing more than the other, that you bring in like the the train thing or whatever in that one map or like the, yeah, yeah. the airship or whatever. Like that was cool, but I don't feel like it helped enough. And this one I like that if your squad is playing really well, I don't know if you notice this as like squad leader, but if your squad's playing really well, you gain points as a squad mm-hmm. and you can use that to drop in like requisitions for your team. Right. Supply drops, a tank, a uh, freaking uh, you know, all terrain vehicle kind of thing. Like that's really cool to yes. have that ability. Yeah, that's really um, awesome. And just help your side one way or the right. other. And it supports squad play. Like everything right. about this game supports squad play. And, and that, that's why that doing good. It's moment was, awesome. was so awesome is because everyone was working together. Yeah. And yeah. it's like you need everybody there to help each other. Like you need a decent balance of people, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was cool to see. Yeah. It was cool to actually experience that. So hopefully there's more of that to come. It's not always going to be like that, yeah. but I'm excited. Yeah. No, I'm hyped again. Like, <laughs> I didn't play much Battlefield 1, even though I was really excited about that one, but Battlefield 5 just, like, surprised me. And I, like, that map you were talking about, the the, the graph, I don't remember the name of it, but yeah. it's with the bridge and stuff like that. Right. I think that is such an incredibly designed map. Yes. Because I've played it on so many different game modes, and I felt like the experiences are so different because some of them oh, push yeah. all the focus into the cities. Others, like, have the emphasis as infantry on the swamplands. Others have, like, big, huge, intense battles up on the bridge. Like, I've had, I've been all through that map and had, like, intense, like, battle sequences. Like, I felt like I fought, like, five different wars on this map in different areas of it. Right. And, um... Yeah, it's always a surprise. I love it. And I, love stuff, it. So. I, I do like more Im- infantry focused games already, but I do think there is a good, like you said, there is a good balance with the with the with the tank and stuff. Like, yeah, <clears throat> the snow map where you're doing the co- the con- not conquest. Um, help me out here. What's the thing? Domination. Grand operations. Grand operations. Yeah. And uh, uh, is it Normandy? Is that Normandy? The you know anyway the snow map for grand operations and like you have all these cities. Like all these little like huts or houses, that are lined up on top on the north side of the map, and it's like, well, that's cool because you can go in there, you can go in the house, jump over things, you know, go in between them, jump through windows, and like, you know, very infantry focused. But then you have a tank coming there and just fucking obliterate all those things, and then at that point, it's it, it's you know, it's a tank world, and they can just see you, and then they can destroy you in like two hits, you know, actually one hit because that's a tank. But you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's easy to make things like that happen. Anyway. Cool. Well, that is going to wrap it up for our game segment here. If you guys have any questions, um, let us know. Head over to theintergamer.net and hit that contact contact button. And uh, also, if you want to donate to us, head over to theintergamer.net and click donate to contribute. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our video game news. You're listening to The Inner Gamer.
It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines in the week in the gaming industry. First up, we have former Remedy CEO Matthias Milrein. Milrein. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I apologize if you're listening to this podcast. He starts Red Hill Games. So for those of you that don't know, Remedy Entertainment is the creators of Alan Wake. They also worked on the first uh, Max Payne. They did uh, Quantum Break. They're currently working on um, um, Control. So they have several things that are in the works. Um, he is no longer there at Remedy Entertainment. He started a new game studio called Red Hill. They're based out of Finland, and they will focus on creating high-quality tar- titles, targeting underserved markets in the gaming industry. Um, what does that mean? That's very, uh, that's very vague. I'm wondering if it's like related go, to like accessibility stuff, or if it's more. Well, they in go line on to with, say that they're trying to do like uh, some AAA shooters. Yeah, because they said they're and working like, on a, a new tactical shooter PC game. Yeah, and like games as a service type stuff. I don't know. Which, which, given this guy's background and everything that he's done, I would be okay with that. <laughs> he seems like a guy who's been around. <clears throat> he's made some really good games. I think they have it in them. I think to make so something too. really interesting. Yeah. If it's going to be games as a service, free to play shooter. Like that's ballsy. Yeah, free I mean, to play tactical shooters, ongoing game of service titles. Um, they're rallying around the principles of cooperative and social play, fair monetization models, and data driven development. That's so awesome. maybe what this is doing is that they're <clears throat> they're going to use their. I mean, because like a lot of games do, like there there's been reports of people talking about how like you know certain games don't cater to somebody that maybe you know colorblind or maybe. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah, if you're, like, colorblind, like, certain games may not have the proper options and tools in place to allow you to still play this game. Or there's, there's I was listening to somebody the other day talking about how the only way a person can play a game is with a single controller, and there was a controller that came out that allowed them to play with one hand, play a first-person shooter with one hand, because their other hand was not capable of playing the game. That's and, cool. And uh, so people that are taking into... Oh, this was a, it's a podcast I was listening to called Wire, Wireframe where they're talking about um, inclusive design basically on stuff in general, like anything that's trying to be inclusive. So they were designing a video game controller that was meant to have... It had the big... Kind of like the pads that were on the Steam controller, you know, the big huge circle pads that they had. Like this controller had those pads that allowed them to more easily like do larger motions, not as finite controls mm. so that they didn't have to use as much force to like move, move around, I guess, or something along those lines. But I mean, maybe that's something that they're considering. But then also the fact that they're trying to do, you know, uh, the uh, microtransaction, like fair microtransaction practices and stuff like that. Maybe they're looking to target underserved markets where like they can't buy games. Like now games are so expensive. And I heard the other day, I think Game Informer was talking about, uh, game prices may be going up soon because they haven't gone up. Like the fact that we're still getting games that are sixty dollars that have so much more content than they did five years ago, and uh, we haven't raised the prices on any of these games. But you're getting like well, that's three kind of, times as much content. That's funny because they have like the ultimate editions and like well, so the that's limited the thing edition that they were is kind of what they're they're doing. Um, oh, actually, no, that was in that video that we're going to talk about later on. That was the Young yeah. E and the Jason Schreier video. Yeah. yeah, they were talking about that. Right. And I was like, I never really thought about that, is that we are getting a boatload more content and stuff, but they haven't really increased the price of a game. Right. And um, granted, I thought when they raised the price to $60 back in the day that that was 
unfair for what we're getting I, then. I, I but now it's that. like yeah, more right. than enough, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, it's come full circle. It's a, uh, it's interesting, but, um, I'm excited to see what they can create because, you know, there's a lot of these, these studio developers that are CEOs and people that are going out and just making their own stuff and trying to see. Well, his track record is is phenomenal. Yeah. Like he's the one that I would put in charge of company to make a free to play game. that's going to be fair, which that's kind of weird saying that. And for a video game, it's like, Oh, fair practices for gamers. You think they'd just be normal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. Nope. We got to milk you for everything. Uh, Everything you have. Yep. So uh, 13 people at start, which is cool. And uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do. Um, there's not much. Uh, they're saying there's not a whole lot of like first part, like titles that are not mobile games coming out of Helsinki. So maybe they can produce some really high-powered games that do work with markets that aren't really able to play as many games nowadays. Like they can't afford a really expensive Xbox One. So maybe they can get a cheap little PC that can play a badass looking game because of the graphic fit or like Minecraft, you know, Minecraft was one of those ones that in a sense served an underserved market because it target. Tar- I mean, anybody could play this game. Right. Right. Cause it was when I first downloaded, it was like less than a megabyte <laughs> or less than like, yeah, it was it, super it, tiny. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, next thing we have, uh, there are people now that are upset that Fortnite is jacking their dances, um, even though sometimes they kind of had permission. But uh, there was a rapper who was upset not too long ago, rapper 2 Millie, who accused Epic of stealing his dance for the Fortnite emote. Um, he told sister site CBS News that Epic crossed the line when it decided to sell the dance emote for real money. Um, so he's like, Damn. they're selling this. Why are they selling this? Like, what the heck? And then uh, later on, Chance the Rapper is saying that people created these dances. They should be getting something for them or getting some recognition for the fact that they made these dances. Um, oh, that's and funny. then most recently, Scrubs, there was a scrub star, uh, Bill Lawrence, who did this random choreography move where he uh, danced to, uh, he did the poison dance in a show called My Half Acre on Scrubs. And um, they reached out to him apparently about using this and um, I think he said it was okay, but now that it's like, you know, they, they reached out to see if they could use his choreography in the video game. And apparently he gave them the green light, but now that it's out, it's kind of like, he said, quote, if you want to see it, you can play Fortnite because they jacked that shit. Um, so I think people probably didn't realize where this game would go. And then no I one, also think no one though, did. I know it creates an interesting conversation about should, their quote unquote works be attributed in this because they created dance in a music video that may or may not have hit. I mean, if it hadn't hit off like the hotline bling thing from Drake's video, like that's a pretty dumb looking dance, but then it hit off and like suddenly everybody was like mocking that giant meme thing. Yeah. It's a giant meme thing. Yeah. And, uh, so like, but had that not happened, it wouldn't have been a big deal, but because it became famous and then it started like maybe they start taking that because it is a meme now. Like that's what Fortnite is doing is just taking memes essentially. Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird gray line if like well because you're putting social cultural things into a piece of art, you know, in Fortnite. And yeah, it was a small thing in the beginning, and now it's blown up, and obviously people are gonna come for their due, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, they're making billions of dollars. Yeah. People want yeah. a little piece of that pie. Like, that's, 
I don't know. I don't know what's right or wrong, but it's so crazy. Pe- people are going like to come for one off things, you know? Oh, like, no, I understand. I could see if I it was something that like lasted with you forever, but like that right. person that bought that emote is going to like use that emote for like a, the season and then the next season is going right. to come out. And they're like, oh, this is cool. And they're going to buy that instead. Right. There's such like disposable items, but I mean, I understand in a way because I mean, I create works and if somebody like took something without attributing me in any capacity, I like to get recognition for building for doing that, you know. Right. So, and I'm sure a lot of people, especially the younger kids who are playing this game, they don't, they have no idea where it's from. Yeah, you know, they don't know. They're just like, oh, it's rapper just... tune. Well, I don't, I don't know who rapper tune really is, but <laughs> I, I don't, don't either. Know. I know who Chance rapper is, so maybe they don't know who Chance rapper is. Yeah, or just like they never watch Scrubs. So they're like, hey, I don't they know. don't know. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, so it's 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 a weird, weird situation, it's, and it's like we're yeah. in a weird age now. Where, I mean, like you know. Page, like you know YouTube content creators and stuff like that like what work is technically copyrighted because we can easily put out a video and monetize that video and take screenshots from video games and we attribute that game you know but we don't have to like it used to be like anytime you took an image like and you post on social media there was like the companies were freaking out that we'd have to like get permission to use that and now it's like basically anything that's posted on social media it's, it doesn't there's no the copyrights out the door at that point yeah right yeah it's kind it's of weird 21st century shit man it's, it's all different yeah <laughs> it's like basically copyright laws need to be rewritten for yes. the modern age yes they do yeah which they won't for the next 10 years and then at that point they'll need to be rewritten again because yeah be outdated they in a will year be outdated exactly <laughs> it's like history books you know uh, like you're in school and you get these history books which right. I don't even know if they have books anymore in school but <laughs> what would they have back in my day do they have iPads now yeah they do uh, I, mean, I know like, they have iPads my, but my my coworkers kids geez. have like they're like ten and twelve or whatever and they Man. have iPads and they I have they're doing robotics have... they were doing programming in like third grade i would have loved to have it's crazy that that that's insane but i would yeah. love to have an ipad with all my books on there yeah that would have been so much easier than carrying around a backpack full of fucking books i know just have an ipad with just, everything on there collects dust it's bullshit yeah. um anyway so <sighs> digress brett digress yes let us know what you think about that i'm curious to know what everybody how people feel about fortnite basically taking people's memes and emotes and stuff and like making profit off of it like is that right or wrong? Does it matter? I mean, I don't really have an opinion either way. It's like, it's whatever. I mean, how much are they actually making off that one emo? Maybe $100,000, which that if I did that dance, like, I want I money. Mean, <laughs> I want I my have, money. <laughs> I have the classic trademark window washer. So All right. okay. if you're if you're watching the video, you can see it. But if right. you're listening, it's, it's too late. Yeah. They were going to take it and now you're not going to get credited. I know. Freaking Fortnite. I'm gonna, <laughs> there's going to be an article about me on here. <laughs> All right. Um, this is going to be a quick little thing. I just want to mention this because I thought it was really interesting about the future of Fallout. If anybody's like hating on Fallout, which a lot of people are hating on Fallout right now, I actually had found my fix yesterday where I went from a I don't know about this game to I'm actually kind of enjoying myself despite the fact that I was playing and got really far and then I was about to build my camp and then the game crashed on me and quit to desktop. And then I lost all that travel I just did because oh. I was about to place my camp so I could spawn on oh. it and then it crashed. I was like, so bitch. But um, there are some people that have been discovering uh, the vaults that we know are eventually going to be coming and providing something inside of them in the future. So um, on GameSpot, there's an article about the locations of vaults 94, 96, and 63. 
all of which are in different parts of the map and are very well hidden, but are noted on the map as vault locations that will be usable in some regard later on when a new update comes out. Very nice. So hopefully it won't be paid DLC. I hope not either. Because they don't need that at this point. <laughs> I bought an outfit yesterday. Well, I not too. I paid money, but I used like the stuff. Yeah, the Adams. Yeah. Yeah, 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 the Adams. I didn't buy any <clears> Yeah, Adams, I did the same thing. What'd you buy? I forgot. I bought the uh, the it's Dapper's red, red shirt suit. The oh, very pants nice. And stuff, yeah, yeah. So I look very like nice. Very Donald nice. Draper as I'm walking <laughs> through the wasteland. <laughs> the Drapa. The Drapa. If you guys didn't know, during Black Friday and probably even Cyber Monday, apparently Fallout 76 dropped to 30 bucks. Yeah. So half the price. Some places are 35, some places 30, but yeah, it was half the price. Of a game that was released weeks ago. Yep. That is unheard of. Like people have been saying that this is the like the worst triple A game launch in possible gaming history. Yeah. Like it's funny because I don't feel like it is. And I don't agree but, with that either because I think it's... But I mean, the, the I sales... Mean, it's, it's buggy. Like, it's, it's got a I lot get of that. problems. But, but I mean, they, just in general, yeah. the, the numbers and the sales and the ratings, it got like a 2.3 on Metacritic user rating. Yeah. I don't know any game that's got that. I mean, it's got like a 5 point something, I think, on just like normal reviewers. Like, that's bad. That And for yeah. a Bethesda game, like, that is bad. I don't know what people. It's, it's kind of it's just weird. I just. I mean, do you feel like do you feel cheated? As a Bethesda fan, like, do you feel like with this game at the state it is now, do you feel cheated with what you purchased, or do you feel like it's a good start that will get better, and you're content with what you have now? I mean, I thought what I what what I mean again. If you guys want to listen to it, full review last podcast. But I liked what I was playing. And I do agree with the people who don't like this game, like a hundred percent. Yeah, like I totally get where they're coming from. This isn't a Bethesda game; it's buggy as usual. The way that I guess I kind of just rationalize it is that this isn't the next game in the line. Like this isn't a, a next big game, right? Yeah. This is kind of a filler game. So like we're not getting Elder Scrolls and we're not getting Fallout Five. So. I'm content with this. It's a fallout something and you know, it's fun for what it is. Again, I love Bethesda's world. So walking around exploring things and seeing things and killing things like that's fine. I I can do that all day. Like it really don't matter to me. Like I said, fallout Four, the next iteration, the next big game from Bethesda has to be on par new, new engine, more bugs fixed. Less patches, I don't know. Like all around needs to be better. We be, we people have been giving Bethesda a pass at the past few games. Just because we love what they do, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've always found a lot of issues with all the Bethesda games in the past. Totally. This agree. is the first one I have found enjoyment with, mm-hmm. which is weird. Right. Like even Elder Scrolls I didn't like get stuck into. But I've played at this point. I played as much of Fallout seventy six as I did of Elder Scrolls Skyrim, and I'm gonna go beyond that. Like I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm experiencing. But there are a lot of issues in this that I hope they fix. But are they game breaking to you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I walked across the entire map yesterday, and then it crashed on me, and I like had to walk back across the map again. Is that like the only main game breaking thing that you've experienced? Um, 
No, I mean, nothing that's like... I mean, it's not like a constant thing, right? No, but it's more common than like 90% of the game. Like, it's... I've never had a AAA game operate this way. Well, I take that back. Battlefield 2 operated this way. (laughs) Wow. Battlefield 2... That's a while ago. (laughs) Battlefield 2 was an incredibly buggy game when it first released. Right. And it took them a while. Like, even when it's... I, But it was still like one of my favorite games of all time. It was incredible. But like you would jump over the uh, freaking fence and they hadn't figured out fence mechanics yet. So when you vaulted over a fence, you like kind of like skittle wobbled and then you would never really go over it. You would just kind of like try and then fail a bunch of times. So that was really frustrating. Yeah, that kind of But um, in this game, like I was I was walking past a, uh, a camp, like a tent, and there was a flamingo thing that was on the floor that was like glitching out in the, the thing. <laughs> It was the sound was driving me crazy. I was like, uh, "Shut this yeah. thing up!" Yep. And I yep. couldn't find it or move it or anything like that. So that was annoying. But like a, a nuisances, um, or like I'll be aiming at a guy and like it puts the the you know the health meter up there and my reticle turns red and I turn away from him. This happens a lot and it never goes away. It just stays on my screen as I walk across the map until I open a menu and then it goes away. Yeah, right? I, I I think a lot of this has is attributed to their actual engine i bet it's have. a server thing too but it's that, a little bit both. this is the first time yeah you know as their servers just probably aren't transferring that data quickly enough to yeah it's 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 bad i mean i i agree that there's bad stuff but yeah. there's also good stuff but i'm still having fun with it like yeah. yeah i don't regret my purchase let's put it that way i feel like this is going to be this is a good start and i think it's going to get better and they're getting a lot of feedback <laughs> clearly a lot of feedback so i think it'll i think it'll get good but Anyway, next one. So let's jump back into some Battlefield Five again, because <laughs> uh, I'm skipping the other article. Oh, okay. we're going to talk about this. Oh, uh, okay. This is uh, Austin. You can kind of talk about this because this is more your thing than mine. So, like you guys know, I like Battlefield Five, but there's one thing that as soon as I experienced it, it irked me and just you know, just made my my stomach curdle. It was the the women in Battlefield Five, when they die, it is something I don't enjoy, and I didn't think that would be an issue because you know in Fallout they have, there's women in Fallout too, right? You know in Fallout Four you kill a bunch of Raider women that are out there and stuff like that, but there's something about the way Battlefield portrays their death that makes it pretty realistic, um, and I just don't like it, and I think with trying to be inclusive with Battlefield 5, which I have no problem with. Like, I don't... I really don't care if there's women in this game or not, or women in other games or not. Like, it's yeah. fine. Like, I really have no opinion on the matter. Like, it doesn't really bother me. But in a game about war and killing people, like, having listening to a woman being slaughtered, and it that's what it sounds like to me, a woman being slaughtered. Like, the way that they portray that. It's just, I don't think women should be in this game. And I think that goes to say with media in general, it kind of desensitizes us to certain things. Like, growing up, like, as a man, like, I see how I've been desensitized over time, and that desensitization kind of helps me with my job as a firefighter paramedic to deal with gruesome situations, you know? I'm able to separate myself from that kind of, that event you know, I can go home and not and not bother me as much as you know maybe you or someone else. Um, 
but being that person who wants to help people, you know, and protect people, it's kind of, it just doesn't sit well with me to, to be killing women in this game. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something until you brought it up, I never really thought too much about it. Cause I mean, like just to give a little bit of background, like whenever, you know, I mean, for those of you listening to the podcast, we've talked about this before, but uh, whenever Battlefield was first announced, people were like, some of the gamers were more or less upset in the fact that uh, there were women in this and they didn't feel like it was historically accurate to have women fighting on the battlefield, just from a historical perspective. Right. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know much in the history of like how many females were, in, I mean, what I remember is like, you know, Rosie the Riveter and stuff like that, like, while men were off to war, they were going to work in the factories and stuff and working on the, the stuff to help aid the war and, and things of that nature. So that was like the what the women were doing at the time when the men were off fighting and stuff like that. But I never thought about it until you brought it up. But like, you know, this like Battlefield has always been a very intense kind of like gruesome sounding game. Right. Like when you go up and like stab somebody like I haven't stabbed a, a female avatar yet. But like I could imagine like when you go up to do the finishing move to like reach around them and slice their throat or whatever. Right. Could be pretty intense. Like that's something I don't want to be desensitized to. We're already desensitized to killing men, right? No. I mean, I think that goes to just like men in general or boys, you know, who are guys like we like to roughhouse, we like competition. That's why I like playing these games online because there's that sense of competition. It's like I can one up somebody, you know, I can get better, I can do good, I feel good about myself, and I think that's just normal for guys in general. And yes, it is killing people in these games, but obviously there's like a separation there. And again, that's we're desensitized to killing people, you know. You think of war, it's like, yeah, you know, some guy's gonna go off to war and protect the country, but we you know, we kind of look past the fact that he's about to go and murder a bunch of people. Yeah. You know, I guess there is a lot. I mean, like, where do you draw the line when it comes to games portraying killing? Because it started out like games were just like you played Spire of the Dragon, you're like a dra- dragon running around, like shooting fire at things and like killing right. little creature deals or whatever. Right. Not a big deal. Then you have these war games that come out where you actually are killing people. Right. And then you have like, every, I'm sure everybody remembers when Call of Duty, I think it was four, came out. And like you had that airport sequence where you had to go yeah. in and like mass slaughter people as right. an enemy or whatever. Yeah. Like that was like That's a horrific. brutal, horrific scene <laughs> that in a way can do that desensitization. And then right. now, like, this is the first time in a game where we've had a, like, we're consciously like just. It's not like you're fighting fighting an enemy that you know is an enemy. In this case, it's just like people fighting people. Right. And there's there's females in this thing. And then what happens if like the next step, like they take it to where like there's kids, you know, like that would be Exactly. I mean, you've like Dead Space had babies that you killed and stuff like that, which I was right. messed up. But also at the same time they were like there are alien yeah. baby things or whatever. <laughs> Still it's not good. Right. So like that is kind of disturbing in a way. And so it's like now, now you're gonna have kids playing this game, you know. Obviously, it's right in for mature, but still, it's like teenagers, younger generation coming up. We, you know, people already have an issue with you know uh, men being violent towards women and stuff like that. And there's gonna be people out there. I'm sure they're like, "Fuck yeah, I get to kill women." And like hear them massacred and stuff, and like Hopefully obviously not. it's not like a. a I'm, I guarantee you, it's not a gigantic portion of the population. I'm sure it's like point zero zero one percent or something like that. But you know, why would we want to put this out there for people to consume? Um, I mean, it was their choice, so like they can do what they want. Um, yeah. This game, I mean, again, like I think this game like sets the tone 
for putting you in that era and that realism with the soundscape and stuff. And so, well, there's triggers out there for everybody that can trigger something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, this is just another one of those triggers that could, you know, cause that to happen. If there's rage or there's anger or whatever, like that swatting incident with call of duty, you know, like this dude was pissed off because somebody, you know, because of a game and then, did the swatting thing and got convicted guilty because he sent it to the wrong person. Like right. you know, that stuff is bad, but that was that rage could have been accentuated a little bit from the game. And I don't still don't think that gaming is the cause of the violence exactly. that everybody's talking exactly. about, but like it doesn't help the situation in a way. If somebody already has something planted in them, that is, you know, that they already have pent up rage inside. Right. It's not, it's right. not, it's not, it's going to feel it more than it is going to hinder anything. Right. Um, or, I mean, it could help ease them. I mean, that's a way to let out their anger and frustration. But speaking of which, that was freaky. There's dog barking. Evie. Dog barking, everybody. Dogs are barking like crazy. Anyway. So, yeah. So, yeah. I don't think women should be in this game. And yeah. it's not because I don't want women to be in this game or it's not historically accurate. I can I don't give two shits. Like it's yeah. it's a game. Yeah. But I mean, if it's like part of the single player story and it's telling the story of something that happened, but right. as a gameplay perspective in general, like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Leave it as it is and like, like Right. Yeah. Like uh uh Uncharted Lost Legacy with Chloe Frazier. Like yeah. great like Laura Croft, Ellie, like all these great protagonist women. Like I love playing their stories. And getting to know their characters, yeah. But just fighting women in general and killing them, like it yeah. just doesn't, it just doesn't sit well with me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, to think about. It. I never really yeah. thought about that until you brought it up. But well, it's just the way they do it. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you can compare it to Fallout Four, and they have women raiders, but it's not nearly as bad. You know. Yeah. I I, I guess Fallout has this kind of cartoony esque to death. If you think about it, the way that they portray death in a way. Well, then in it's a still way, like, death, but. Well, I mean, it's not Fallout as four. Like, I feel like they're all just like they're like zombie creatures anyway. We're right, talking about right. Fallout. Well, oh, I'm, talking about no, I'm talking about Fallout seventy six. Oh, you're talking about the Raiders. Yeah, I yeah. So, Fallout 4, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the Raiders and they're like the way that they die. I mean, I mean, you see the way that the systems are set up. Yeah. And the way things die in Fallout seventy six is, I mean, just put that on a human. You know, right, right. Heads yeah. explode and stuff like that. And gotcha. it's like ah, gotcha. You know, yeah, I understand. It's not as terrifying as. Hearing people, I mean, even men in this, you know, in, fall, in Battlefield Five, are like, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty, like it's, exaggerated it's deaths. Right. Whereas in this case, it's like very realistic feeling. Exactly. Yeah. But again, desensitized to the guys dying, it's not as bad. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my take on it. Let us know what you guys think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you does it does it? Anyone care? There you go. Who knows? There you go. But uh, yeah, so we're going to take a quick break and then come back with our topic of discussion, which is a very interesting one. But uh, make sure y'all head over to Apple Podcasts and uh, hit that subscribe button and uh, follow us for next time or tell a friend about this podcast and let them know how much you enjoy it so that they can listen to us next time. We'll see you shortly. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Today, 
we're going to be discussing a little bit about the current state of the video game industry. This discussion was inspired by a recent video posted on Yong Ye's channel. Yong Yi, Yong Ya, Yong Ye. How, how would you say it? Yong Ye. I'm just going to say Yong. Yeah. On Yong's channel, in which he had a sit down discussion with uh, Jason Schreier, the uh, I think he's a lead editor of Kotaku, I believe. And uh, Jason Schreier, as many of y'all know, um, has been around for a long time. He's written a lot of controversial articles that have basically brought up new leaks and new information about like he was the first one to leak the script behind fallout four. Um, he's leaked a lot about like the way treatment is in the gaming industry. He brought out a book called blood, sweat and pixels a couple years ago that talks a lot about, um, uh, just the working in the gaming industry and what it's like, like the harsh, like, what what it is like to reach deadlines in that gaming industry. And he's working on a new book right now. Um, they had an hour and a half sit down here where they both just got on a webcam and talked about you had on one side, Yong, who is a YouTube influencer, who is a self-made YouTuber who has 600 some thousand followers and basically sits there and puts out videos talking about his thoughts and theories behind gaming subjects. And, um, He's not a journalist. He doesn't have access to like all these people and stuff like that. Or I feel like he probably could have access, but based on this, like you've learned that he's really yeah, just he hasn't doesn't, yeah. tried he, that he, much. Well, he reached out to like the, you know, the, the pu- public relations yeah. team and you yeah, know, that's it. Yeah. And they does, doesn't get anything back. But, uh, then Jason Schreier on the other hand works for Kotaku, which gets millions of hits every month. And, uh, so he's got a lot of pull in this industry. So it's interesting to see like kind of, the old journalist and then in a way the new journalist which he's not like young is not really a journalist per se but he is a but he covers the news he, right yeah he puts right. out his opinions and so does uh, well, jason Schreier, he does but, but he also covers facts as well well yeah, like, yeah that's what i like about his videos yeah. so he covers facts and he gives his opinion right yeah you know yeah so it's it's a it was a very interesting discuss, discussion, but we kind of want to cover through some of these main points that were discussed in this because I think they're really important to talk about. Oh, yeah. um, a lot of this was off the cusp of one the Diablo Mortal debacle <laughs> that happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Um, two uh, microtransactions and uh, level grinding, which we did a video about and a podcast about uh, not too long ago. You can check that out on YouTube.com/slash/gamer. Um, and then also just in general, like who should we be mad at? Like, where do we like put our anger at? Um, is there anything I'm missing in this that we were going to be covering? I don't think so. Okay. So the, uh, uh, the first part of the video kind of jumped into basically, um, the currency of the industry and how like young is definitely more for the gamer and like he's defending the gamers side of things and that, you know, Diablo Immortal, for example, came out, they announced this game. It is a mobile game exclusive. It's not for a PC or anything like that. And, uh, everybody was expecting something else and that's not what they got. Whereas Jason Schreier on the other hand is like, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's think about who we're relating this to. Like, are we like, should we be mad at Wyatt Chang who went up on stage and revealed this game? Or should we be mad at the people above him who are, you know, the big dogs, the CEOs that are calling the shots down below. And I agree with both sides. Like, I don't agree. I don't think that we should be mad at Wyatt Chang in this situation, but just generally, generally the conversation is how should we prioritize I, I, our anger? I, I'll say this. I don't think people are mad at Wyatt Chang. 
Yeah. They're just mad at the fact that there's no Diablo 4. Yeah. You know, in this game, Diablo Mortal isn't coming to PC. Like, that's why people are mad. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily the people behind the game. But, but some of the people were definitely kind of... <clears throat> they're pointing fingers at him. Right. But because he was, in a way, their punching bag <clears throat> in this exactly. situation. And yeah. He's the guy who gets on stage and becomes the face of it. Yeah. And it sucks for him because, you know, he is not, I mean, you know, if you look if like Jason Schreier also released an article later on that was uh, the future, the present and the like the past, the present and the future of Diablo. And in it, he talked about how Wyatt Chang joined this Diablo mortal team willingly because he wanted to take a break and, uh, from the debacle that was about Diablo three, which released to very poor feedback and then eventually fixed itself over time through expansions and updates and things like that. Um, so like, should we be mad at him? Not necessarily, but are people mad at him? Probably yeah. because they need to be yeah. angry at somebody or something. Right. And, um, yeah. So I mean, like it's hard like from me, I feel like with all of this stuff that comes out, like if we're not talking about these things, like it will <laughs> well, definitely get for, worse. Yeah. You know, maybe not be so, I mean, I still don't feel like people are really angry at Wyatt Chang. I feel like there's angry at blizzard in general. Like usually there's angry at a company in general. Like when I get angry at a game, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and the whole debacle they had with the the microtransactions to get XP boost. Like I'm not mad at the people who created it, the lead designer or whatever. Like I'm mad at Ubisoft in general. It's like obviously they're the ones pulling the strings. They're the ones who are want this kind of thing inside of it, you know? Right. And it's like for me, that's who I get mad at. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's people gonna be mad at Y Chang. I understand that, but yeah. That's just my perspective on it. Yeah. 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 There's just, there's, there's the, again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rage and anger and toxicity. And this is, again, this is what, you know, Jason Schreier was saying. His thing is that people have this anger bent up inside them about these issues and they have good reason to be angry. You know, they should be angry, but may, I think the, the goal and both of them kind of agreed on this is that we need to make sure we're pointing the, ang the anger in the right direction, the right places. And some people were like calling out why Chang in those videos and saying like, this guy's an idiot. Why is he up on stage talking about this stuff? And it's like, right. He's not the one doing this. It is Activision. That's probably doing this. It's the, the investors that are like, we, the uh, destiny two did shitty last year. So let's bring out Diablo Immortal, which is a mobile game. That's going to be a cash cow because it's a mobile game. Right. And it'll do super well in the East where like mobile games right. thrive. And, um, well, I'll tell you why they, they're mad at why Chang if they are is because he was like, he was attacking gamers with his comment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you just don't do that stuff. But the whole comment with, uh, Jason Schreier saying, you know, we don't need to be mad at these people, you know, uh, because our, that, People like Young Yi who go out there and make these videos who don't have all the facts because Jason Schreier's in the industry. He gets to talk to people and he gets information that people like us, Young Yi, we just don't get. And he's saying that, you know, making these videos can create a toxic community. And um, honestly, I don't, it's the internet. There's toxicity everywhere. Like yeah. no matter what industry or, you know, fad or little sect you're in, but 
it's like, I don't really, I don't see what Jason Schreier is talking about. And I understand we don't want to go too crazy on like stuff, but I mean, the way Yang Yi makes his videos, especially for Diablo Immortal, it's like, we're just taking the facts that we see and making a pain about it. And I think that's more than warranted, but I think Jason Schreier kind of attacks Yang Yi saying, calling him a provocateur and saying that, you know, which is basically calling him the Alex Jones of video games. And uh, he made a comment in there about him like being like Alex Jones, like Yang Yi asking questions and not having the facts, which yeah. I guess Yang Yi isn't privileged enough to be in that situation to have the, all the facts, uh, making a video, which, which is creating a toxic environment in the gaming industry, yeah. which... Honestly, I don't, I mean, how much toxicity do you see in the game industry? Obviously, it's there. I could get it. Like, you go online, you play, you play a multiplayer game, people calling, you know, calling out your mama and calling you all sorts of names. But in the terms of people being outraged against the game, I think all of it's warranted. Yeah, I, I agree to a point, but I also disagree. I, I see both sides of it because. Like on one side, I under like if we're not saying stuff and being angry about this stuff and being vocal about it, right? It's gonna get worse, right? And it's gonna get more like like again like re- relating to Battlefront two. Like if people didn't have an outcry about that, and that was a very well warranted outcry, like that had to happen because that stuff was bullshit. It was pay to win. You're having to pay for it. Took forever to level up. Like all that stuff. It's just it wasn't like it was cut and dry. Clearly a non issue. Other than this is wrong and it shouldn't be here. Right. But you know, as far as the album moral goes, like it's not as cut and dry because like for them, it's just it's it's a it wasn't that this is a bad decision for them. This is a game that's going to do well. It's, people are going to like it. They're going to enjoy it. But it's the way in which they approached it that's wrong. But I do agree with Jason Schreier in that people that are putting content out there on YouTube, there's too many people. I think there is way too many people out there that because they have a camera and because they have a YouTube channel, that they can put something together. I mean, we've been guilty of this in the past where we've jumped on something way too quick and didn't really do enough research in it, put it out online. And then it's like, well, then we were like com- completely disproven in like a, in a second. There's a lot of people out there that do stuff like that consistently and get people latching onto a talking point or a uh, soundbite, if you will. I mean, politics is a good kind of comparison to this is that, if you look at the politicians up on stage and stuff like that, they take advantage of human weakness in that humans tend to not really spend a lot of time researching on a subject. Like they're going to latch on to a headline or a clickbait title or something like that, as opposed to like actually reading into the issue. Like I was looking through this video reading the comments and a lot of people that are commenting about stuff were literally saying like Jason Schreier, freaking idiot, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't actually like, they watched like five minutes of the video and they just thought, oh, he's an idiot, so I'm going to stop watching. But if you kept watching through it, yes, he was passive-aggressive towards Young. Like, there was many times where he was, and for that, like, I think he realized he was at fault there. And he also said something in a tweet later that he later deleted that was also kind of inappropriate. But if you look at, like, his line of work, I think at that point he was also angry in a way because, like, they were kind of debating back and forth, and he got some flack from it, and so did Young. They both had some. Well, Yong's audience was like really into it, but well, there's so you, many people that respond with emotion too quickly before they 
actually take the time to take that emotion out of the equation and respond from a rational standpoint. Right. And I think well, this, that this, needs to slow down. Well, this a is where bit. Jason Schreier is a hypocrite, is because yeah. he did that to a fan in this video. Is right. he he tweeted a fan about the immortal and uh, he basically told him to fuck off because right. And, and he was calling the people at the panel for Diablo Moral, like they weren't good people. And yeah. like, that was it. Like you're a bad person done. Yeah. But then yeah. he comes to these video game companies that are making these games, trying to milk the player. And, you know, he kind of gives them, you know, a slap on the wrist and be like, Hey, you guys should do better. Yeah. And he goes in, he dives in, he like explains himself and it's like, hey, man, you don't want to create a toxic community, but here you are just saying the stuff about gamers who you're writing articles for and attacking them and just being like, that is it, one and done. And then you're going and you're just, you're giving, at least from perspective of a gamer, someone yeah. not in the industry, you're just giving these people a slap on the wrist. Well, And, and that's not right. I, I, I agree. And that's what Yong made a really good point about in that, he mentioned the fact that Jason, he meant, he basically told Jason Schreier, like, Hey, you need to realize that your, your voice doesn't stop with your articles. Your voice is always out there. Right. And in Jason Schreier's mind, he's like, Oh, I'm really mad at this guy right now. I want to tweet him real quick while I'm on the subway. Right. But that is you putting your image out there to the public. You're always as an editorial writer, yeah. you're always going to be scrutinized. You're always being watched. You have to realize that and respect it. Yeah. If you don't like that and you're going to get frustrated, you're going to say something bad about somebody, get the fuck off of Twitter. Yeah, like, exactly. Just get out of it. Exactly. Because like Twitter is a toxic environment. That's why I'm not very active on it. Like I don't want to get involved in that crap. Like I just don't, I mean, I use it a little bit, but it's not like something I want to like heavily engage in because you're going to like, you have to realize that everything that you say is going to be put up for debate at some point in your time. Right. I mean, look at uh, what's, what's his face. Uh, the IGN writer that got caught for plagiarizing, right? right like he had that right. one article and then within seconds, because he had put his tweets out there and put this out there and put that out there, suddenly everybody knew how much this has been, how long this has been going on. Right. So once you write something in stone, which is the Twitter verse, the Facebook verse and all that stuff, like you are going to be judged on that at some point or another, if you're not careful. So everything you say, like I, I was listening to um, Arnold Schwarzenegger one time. And he and I think it was Donald Trump actually had a Twitter back and forth and uh, Donald Trump said something to him and Arnold was angry and he was going to respond to him and on Twitter and he didn't. He was like, I'm going to wait, give it 24 hours and then respond tomorrow. So instead what he did was he waited and then the next day he did a little video and responded to him with like a 45 second video with a rational and, you know, logical response to this emotional tweet that Trump had put out there. Right. And I think that's the right way that I think that's what everybody should consider and think about is that, oh yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, companies, people like be honest, be trustworthy, put, put stuff out there that you feel passionate about, but one, make sure you're right or that you have, you have information to back yourself up. And then two, know that that is something that is going to be there forever. And then, so if you feel like that's even real, like what, what was the one comment that they said in there that I thought was really, really good. Um, I think Jason said this or something was that 
if you're not willing to say this to somebody's face, mm-hmm. then don't put it out there. Right. Right. And I was like, that's, that's, that's good advice. Like, I think that's, right. that's the way to do it. But I, th- I think making these, technically making these videos is saying it to someone's face because they could watch it easily. Exactly. And get that information. And it's like, I feel like if you're putting that out there, you want them to hear this. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. 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 But, but do they want, I mean, that, that's the thing though. They put the video out there in public, but maybe that isn't something they would say to their face. I mean, like, right. you know, they might not I mean, want think, to go that way. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, if I met someone in the industry, I'd have like wholehearted respect for them for what they do and what they've done, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it just depends how much clout you have <laughs> in, in the end, really. Like, yeah. Young E has a pretty, you know, good name out there in the video game YouTube space. So, like, his opinion, I think, matters, you know, just as much as Angry Joe's opinion matters. Yeah. You know, and Angry Joe would say that stuff to people in their face. You yeah. Know, Your game fucking sucks. You need to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think definitely like with, with people like what we just, you just mentioned, like Angry Joe and Young and stuff like that, there's a lot of them out there that like, they have strong opinions. They have harsh opinions and I think they're warranted in what they say and they do do their research and they put some time behind what they do. Right. And there's others out there that are trying to do the exact same thing and like put stuff out there really quick. They're really like, like that article I brought up earlier in the, in the podcast that was, or the video of the guy like going between call of duty and comparing call of duty and Battlefield five. Like that's, that's a mute argument. That's not a good argument to be putting out there, right. but it has 300,000 views and like a ton of upvotes and stuff like that. Yeah. And that headline was literally to target either the battlefield fanboy or the call of duty fanboy and then the rest of the video was in the video i watched the whole thing and he was like they're both really good and but his headline (laughs) was like one is way better yeah and for me that's like that's wrong like you shouldn't do that like these clickbait things that are out there that are just like let me get a reaction on somebody yeah, you might get 500, 600 views, but are those the people that are reacting to that video and liking that video because of that headline or because of like the first three minutes of your video, are those really the fans that you want? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of the, where I stand with that kind of stuff. And Yong is really good at, he has built a fan base, like a loyal fan base because he doesn't respond to like, I mean, if he has something to say, he's going to say it strongly, but he's going to have, like, I watch his videos and I think they're warranted. Like, I may not agree with him, but I feel like he's done his research and he knows what he's talking about. Right. He's not putting some bullshit out there. You yeah. know what I mean? His opinions actually matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Angry Joe's the same way. But there's exactly. others out there that are just not that way. So like right. from Jason Schreier's point, he is right to a point with a lot of video content out there because there's just a lot of garbage on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of garbage on the internet in general. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I guess let's bring it back to like the video game industry in general. Like, where are we at? For me, you have all these giant companies who have created a lineage over this time since we have been growing up into now and now they're publicly traded companies and so like the bottom line is they have to do better this month they did last year's, you know, November yeah, or whatever. This quarter versus next quarter. Yeah, it's like yeah. they got to continue doing the stuff. So you have the people on the bottom, which is what we see, who creating these games being controlled by the people at the top who literally only see numbers and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, man, how have we gotten to this point in time? You know, and the only way for us to make some change is because I feel like at some certain point, the people at the top are definitely going to just 
overthrow everyone at the bottom. And then that's when they lose that trust, lose that spark that they had, that creativity that they've grown up with. It's created yeah. this fan base and it's kind of, they almost like forget the fan base. And I think that's what a lot of people for Diablo Mortal felt. It's like, we've been here this whole time and now you just like, fuck, fuck us. Right. Like yeah. you don't care about us obviously. Cause you're making a mobile game and we want a PC game. Yeah. And it's like, well, obviously they're just going for the money cause it's going to be very successful, especially in, in you know, in uh, China and stuff. The Chinese yeah. market is plentiful in these mobile games and that's what they like to do. Yeah. And apparently they're more forgiving with the games that they play. So obviously we are not, yeah. <laughs> we are very critical about what we play. So yeah, yeah. no, we definitely are very critical and, and that's where we're at right now. Yeah. That's what sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, every, everything in, in like economies and stuff like that, it's all cyclical. It goes in cycles and like when gaming, I mean, gaming's young, but it's now at a point where it's like getting up there back in the early days, it was the golden age of gaming where everybody was doing it because they love games. Gamers were nerdy people. They weren't as respected as they, as respected as they are now. It wasn't considered an industry that was worth something. Right. Now we have esports stadiums popping up and everything like that. Yeah. And it's like millions, <laughs> like people throwing millions of dollars into these things right. that they used to be like, you know, like a million dollars on a game was like incredible. And now what was it? 725 billion dollars on Red Dead Redemption in three days. Like that's a huge, huge difference, you know? Right. So like now it's an industry where you have people that have come into it that have seen these dollar bills showing up. And it's like, as that happens and as these teams see the success, they get bigger and bigger. And as anything gets bigger, it's going to get, you know, it's kind of like like blowing up a bubble. You know what I mean? And like the yeah. bubble gets bigger and bigger and eventually it's going to pop. Right. So we're going to see a pop here before long. I feel like we're at a point where we're kind of in a bubble <laughs> and something's going to happen. We're going to see a big drastic shift in games in some capacity. I, I, I think some of us are in bubbles and some of us are not. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. like the indie game market is completely outside of that bubble. Well, that's like, a, that. you know, that's right. The indie game market is like what games in general was 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, I feel yeah. Like, and they're putting out some great stuff. You oh, know, yeah. like everything that's coming out of the indie game market is awesome. But so I think that helps a little bit because you see these AAA titles that are doing really, really good, like, or like Diablo that's been really, really good. And then Diablo Immortal comes out, crashes, and everybody's like, go check out Path of Exile. That game's really good. Right. And then suddenly another team gets the kudos yeah. that they deserve, rises up for something like that. So, like, you have this like cyclical cycle that keeps going. And, and this is why I love this industry yeah. because, you know, this is a perfect form of capitalism where we can have this giant outcry, have things change. We literally vote with our dollar yeah. and the people on the bottom get to rise to the top easily just by creating something just phenomenal, you know, yeah. and that everybody wants to play like Enter the Gungeon, you know, yeah. something as simple as that game could be super successful and then they go on to do something better, you know. Yeah. Or uh, sinuous sacrifice, like yeah. perfect example. Now they, you know, been taken up by Microsoft. Yeah, made one great product. Well, I'm sure yeah. they made, they made many, but so I think I think like as a whole, like everybody that has an opinion to be voiced should put that voice out there. But I don't think people should be voicing their opinions just to ride on the coattails of somebody else without doing their own research and proving that you know, that is actually their opinion and not them regurgitating what somebody else is saying. Right. But 
if this didn't happen, we wouldn't have these cycles happening. We wouldn't have these any games rising up to the top. Like Blizzard wouldn't be who they are now because they they were at one point a small person. You know, that was like a little small shop that was yeah. had nothing. And now they're right. huge and massive and stuff like that. Same with Rockstar. Like they were tiny at one point. Like everybody has done tiny things and they've risen up to be big things. And then eventually that big thing will die out and that small thing will rise up and then it's going to keep going in circles. Right. So, so Jason Jason Schreier said one more thing where he was like he doesn't understand why people are upset about some of this stuff like a Diablo Immortal or uh, AC Odyssey and the XP yeah. boost. He's like, when you know we're in a time where you know five years ago the game's fidelity and and scale of these games are a far cry from what they used to be. You know, we're, we're living in, you know, the heyday of video games, basically. Like, yeah. everything is phenomenal. It's only 60 bucks for these gigantic games. And then if you don't want to play one of these games that come out, that you can just go to your, you know, Steam library and have, you know, a plethora of yeah, games. Yeah, the other games out there you can yeah. play. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, the reason we, people get upset about this stuff, you know, and we get our, you know, our torches and pitchforks is because, we grew up on these games who are now starting to change for the worse in our minds. You know, it's, it's not the same, it's not the same games we grew up on. And it, that, that's what really kind of sucks. And I guess it's kind of coming to realization. Obviously you get so big, this is what happens. Yeah. It is all about money. And it's, it's just, it's just sad. And I think people get frustrated with all of this and we have to have a way to get it out. I think Jason Schreier is wrong to say that, it's creating a toxic community because it's just our opinions, especially people who grew up on these games, like, you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey or, you know, Halo or, you know, whatever, Battlefield five. Like we want to see these franchises succeed. And I think that's why there's all this outcry Fallout 76, you know? Well, that's not, it's not as much that, you know, like it's not as much that as it is. We have to consider like his perspective is that everybody out there has got, a backlog. That's not true. A lot of That's gamers not yeah. are not backlogged because they can't afford to be. I mean, we're privileged in the fact that we do have a gigantic backlog, right? Right. But like, there's a lot of people out there that they are one or two game purchasers a year. And if they go out there and they're like, cannot wait for this Fallout 76 to come out, they buy that game and it's not like the best game in the world they are completely warranted to be upset because that is the game that they waited for six months for. Right. And that was the game they're going to play for the next six months. So from that perspective, like young was totally right. Like, yeah, you know, that's that, that's the more the argument that like, you know, basically is Jason Schreier is kind of off, off base there. And that, you know, there are a lot of gamers out there. Like I was actually looking at, we were going to do this in a news article earlier, but I pulled it out, but I think it's good to talk about this and that uh, the MPD records came out, um, the uh, for sales of October, right? And uh, in October, uh, Call of Duty beat out Red Dead Redemption, partially because Red Dead Redemption came out like five days before the end of the year, or six days before the end of the year, or the end of the month, and then uh, Call of Duty came out early. But then the top 10 of that list was Call of Duty, um, NHL, and NBA, Madden, and all the games you always see at the top of the list. So right. if you think about that, those are games that those people that don't play a lot of games and only have so much that they can spend are waiting for that particular game to come out. So that game doesn't deliver to their expectations. That whole year is like shot for them. You know what I mean? 
Like it's, it's definitely a hard it's, situation. It's not for, something I think about anymore. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like there's, and there's a lot more people out there, especially our audience, you know, like casual gamers, like they might, I mean, they're going to buy these little games, you know, this little indie games, $10 games, stuff like that, which is awesome. And I'm, that's, that's what's exciting about yeah. right now is that if your fallout 76 or if your Diablo doesn't come out or whatever you want to come out that year doesn't come or deliver to your expectations. You do have these little tiny games, but you're still really hoping and wanting that big game to yeah, deliver exactly. and do what you want it to be. I mean, can you imagine if uh, red dead redemption two just bombed Yeah, because of like, you know, multiple different things that just didn't work. It just wasn't a good game. Yeah. People be devastated. Huge outcry. So much devastation. And that's why, like, I love how Rockstar and these guys take their time. But again, like, you know, in, in Jason Schreier's article about Blizzard and stuff like that, it's like they're having to answer to Activision. In a way, Activision, like, they need to deliver yeah. content. Yeah. It used to be Blizzard could take their time with games and stuff like that. And that's why, like, Cyberpunk came out and said, or CD Projekt Red came out and said, like, we want, when Cyberpunk comes out, we want it to be as polished as Red Dead Redemption 2 is. So we're not going to release it until it is. But the other thing that was also from the video is that they said in Poland, they don't have to answer to SEC regulations and stuff like that. And they don't have to deal with investors and groups like that, where if you're a publicly traded company, there's a lot of stuff that you just can't say because it's illegal as a publicly traded company. You can't release information before your investors approve your board approves it and like says you can like talk about that. So all that they, stuff is that's messed up. It's hard, you know, because like you know, like, we why would you ever the, become the, a publicly yeah. traded company at that point? Yeah, well, it's like, like you I, do I, it to like continue to grow because there's a point. Well, just, there's like a ceiling you get to where you can't go farther than. I mean, you could stay private forever, but yeah. if you need to like keep growing, you either need to go public, which allows you to get new shares in your company, or you get a lot of ba- investor backing from some privately traded company. But at that point, when you're at the point where you could go to public, you're not going to get that one person that can invest your money into the company. Right. It's really hard to find somebody that can so yeah, I, money down. I, I wish we, I wish these bigger companies would find these people who love video games and want to give them money, you know? Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard. You know? Yeah. Cause obviously they find like people with lots of money just like, well, here's something that's making money. So here's a bunch of money. Now make me more money. Yeah. And that's all, that's all it's about. And, uh, I mean, I get it, I get it, but there's gotta be a better balance. There's gotta be balance in there somewhere. And again, with us out having these outcries and telling these developers and, and studios to make their games better, that is literally the only way we can have things change. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what it's like in the next couple of years with, uh, particularly the Microsoft game studios acquisitions that just happened. Yes. Because they took an interesting approach. They just bought up a shit ton of small studios, right? right? And those are a lot of games that while they're developing their halos and their gears and they're all their things that are like big titles, they have all these little shops that are going to be releasing new games along with it. And I'll be curious to see how that does for them from a financial perspective um, to I, help offset some of that. Cause like EA has right. been trying to do that with like a way out at the same time of doing battlefield and like, you know, right, all right. these different things, but they just haven't been able to really, they've, they've kind of went half in with that, but they haven't gone all in with like supporting right. EA originals. Honestly, I wish they did more. I think that's going to help Xbox out a lot. Yeah, like a lot, like to the point where I will want to have I, I will have to buy an Xbox to play those games. Yeah, like 
that that is what they need. But they could they could bomb too. I don't know. We'll find yeah. out. It's yeah. too soon. Well, you know they got great studios on there. If they are yes. able to, yes. I mean, they have a large enough portfolio of studios under their belt now that if like each one of them can take risk and make a mistake because they have three others that can pick them up. Right. But with this, like with Activision Blizzard right now, they're just in a bad situation because they don't have any new IPs in development. No. And that article proved that like they don't have, they were banking on destiny. They're banking on overwatch and they're banking on Diablo and all, none of those have new games right now. Like, and that's, that's like Activision as, as Activision, like their properties like sucks. Like they have call of duty and that's like their big thing. They don't have guitar here anymore. So like they don't have that, that franchise. Like there isn't really a franchise that they have. That's like, Oh man, look at Activision. Like they're killing it. And they used right. to have tons of them. Right. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's tough. It's, I a, mean, it's, a, it's a tough situation. A giant has to fall sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just wish Blizzard wasn't part of it, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe they'll be able to get some private backing and be able to break up. Well, I don't know. They're, they're a joint venture. So they're not, it's not like Activision owns Blizzard. It's that Activision and Blizzard are one entity that yeah. merge into each other. So it's, yeah. it's a little weird. It's not good. I don't know. But what do you yeah. guys think? Yeah. Let us know what you think. If you saw the video, let us know about that. If you saw our video or our podcast, listen to the podcast. Let us know your thoughts about you know, the growth of an industry, where is it going? Um, where video gamers should like put their anger, like where should it be directed? Should they be angry at all? I don't know. Do you Um, agree with young E or do you agree with Jason Schreier? Yeah. And, uh, if you have any other things to add to this conversation, please send us a message. The intergamer.net, click that contact button. You can write us a little message there. We will totally talk about it. And, uh, maybe even present it to people on the next podcast because we would love to have your feedback and, you know, share with the world. So with that, that is going to wrap up our discussion topic this week. And, uh, I have notes that I need to read and I don't know where they are because I forgot my script and that's a problem. Um, on the cuff guys, every, every time on the cuff all the time. So, if you have any questions, again, or want to contribute to next week's segment, always go to the internet, internet, drop us a line. We'll also have some of the most important news stories as well as some of this discussion topic on youtube.com slash gamer this Friday. If you like what you hear, please give us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be right back with our video game releases for next week. You're listening to Looking forward to next week. Let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. We actually surprise. I say this every time. I'm like, the the games are done, y'all. But no, they keep coming. <laughs> they keep coming. And this is not a bad lineup of games at all. On November 28th, right before the end of the month, and we move into the next year or month, December, I mean, uh, on PC exclusively, Artifact. This is the first game from valve in forever it's a collaboration between valve and legendary game designer richard garfield artifact offers the deepest gameplay and the highest fidelity experience ever seen in a trading card game and it comes out on the 28th in addition 
on the 30th of November, Switch NPC Katamari Damacy reroll. When the king of all cosmos accidentally destroys all the stars in the sky, he orders you, his pint-sized princely son, Austin Morales, to put the twinkling back in the heavens above. Excuse me? <laughs> Join the king and prince of cosmos on their wacky adventure to restore the stars at home or on the go, now in full HD. Last but not least, on December 4th, we have PS4, Xbox, and PC, Just Cause 4. Rogue agent Rico Rodriguez journeys to Solace, a huge South American world home of conflict, oppression, and extreme weather conditions such as tornadoes. Strap in your wingsuit, equip your fully customizable grappling hook, and get ready to bring the thunder. That is pretty crazy. And then we have one more big game that I'm not going to talk about right now that's coming out this year. And then we're pretty much done for the year. That's so it. I can finally get caught up. That's it. That's it. That's wow. it. And with that, that's going to wrap up our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from our favorite video game podcast. Visit TheInnerGamer.net for our latest episodes, blogs, videos, and social channels. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend. Make sure if you're in Dallas, you come out to our Red Bull event tomorrow at... Arcadia. If you're in Fort Worth, you should come out to our Cowtown Brewing Company event in downtown Fort Worth on Thursday. And Austin, what about Patreon? Oh, we have a Patreon setup, which is a way for you, our listeners, to donate to the cause in order to bring you all the content you want to see and hear. Even a dollar a month will help us keep this content coming to you every week. Plus, if you support us, we have some awesome rewards waiting for you, such as being a guest on the podcast or getting exclusive content. So head on over to thenergamer.net and click donate to contribute. And I'm Awesome Morellas. I'm Brian Oscar. And you're listening to your podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Woo! Welcome to the WWE World Championship Tournament. Super Smash Brothers is coming soon. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I have no idea either. We lost it. Detective Pikachu reporting for duty. Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> Why would they ever do that shit? Dude, I think it looks awesome. I like Super Hype. When I first saw it, I was like, this is weird as shit. Then as I got into it and I watched it again, I was like, okay, this is pretty awesome. Like, Ryan Reynolds is Pikachu. No, fuck Ryan like, Reynolds. What if they Pikachu. really were? Dude, Ryan Reynolds is the best. Did you see Once Upon a, Upon a Deadpool? That's hilarious. Look, he's good as Deadpool. I don't want him as my Pikachu, but I'm going for the Pokemon battles. I'll tell you that much. All right, Brett. It's your birthday. It's my birthday and I cry if I want. <laughs> Gary cried. I saw it. I know. So Very many sad. tears. There was a woman. So many And tears. she betrayed him. Yeah, it was Evie the dog. I know. She, she kept barking. at me. <laughs> she doesn't love me. It's funny. Like, she comes in. She looks at Brett. She's like, oh, what's up, Brett? And she walks over in the back room with me. And then I all know, of a sudden. I pet her, too, and everything. Like, we we're all friendly. She looks out the back door into the living room. And she sees Brett peeking around the corner. And she's like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs>
Yeah, if y'all hear a dog barking on the the recording, that's what's gonna be happening. So she loved you and hated you all on the same day. All she, the same she day. She forgot you existed. Who is this person in this house? It is just me and my owner. Yeah. <laughs> so it's some fucked up shit, man. It is fucked up. It is messed up. Maybe she just doesn't like white people. <laughs> clappity clap 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 clappity trap trap clap 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 clappity trap 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 clap trap do re mi fa so la ti do la 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 video games we like the games video games all right and for the scotch topic this week we have brayanowski in the left corner Austin, right corner. For WWE World Wrestling Extreme Championship. 